Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for another episode. Thanks for tuning in. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to introduce you to our new sponsor, who is called Mercury Neuro. So if you haven't heard of them before, they're doing amazing things in the coffee machine game. They're out of Melbourne. They're incredible engineers and designers and fantastic quality coffee equipment. So Mercury Neuro is actually a coffee machine, optimizes performance, maximizes results for your coffee extraction, milk texturing, and also an accurate hot water delivery. It's exceptional, I've seen it in person. Jordan, who's the CEO, is an incredible guy and his team of engineers and designers are doing fantastic work. So check them out at mercuryneuro.com.au. Now, with the show. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Fantastic as always to have you listening and, uh, and joining us for another great episode. Uh, fantastic as I've opened up this podcast to be a worldwide podcast to talk to the next lady and be the uh, first South African guest, which I'm uh, very, very impressed about. Hayley Cooper, the owner of Wild Dreams Hospitality, knowing about everything in vegan culture. How are you, Hayley? I'm great. Thank you, Sean. And wow, that's amazing that the first person from South Africa that has been on your show. Um, yes. Wonderful. Yeah, I don't, um, I, I haven't got very, um, very many African um, listeners. So this is exciting for me because Africa is, is pretty much the only continent um, I haven't been to yet. So today is really going to be um, an eye-opening uh, episode for me to to conduct because I think I'm just going to learn so much. So, um, so it's fantastic to have you on. So thanks for being on. Um, do you want to talk about how you started out in the hospitality industry and, um, and I suppose where you're at at the moment? Yeah, sure. So, um, I've actually been in the industry for 20 years and I started when I was just 15 years old. So I actually dropped out of college a year early. And I moved to a new area. It was quite a small village. And I, obviously being only 15, I had no driving license and I needed to find a way just to support myself. So I really, I just needed to find a job. And my only criteria was that it had to be within walking distance where mm-hmm. I was living. Mm-hmm. And um, I had some previous waitressing experience, like part-time working in a residential home. Yep. So as my options were really limited in this village, I basically just tried the first like a pub restaurant that I came to. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, literally remember the day vividly that I walked in there and um, the owner was standing at the bar. And I think he actually approached me because he probably thought I was trying to buy alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he was going to ask me for ID. <laughs> but um, I just obviously said I was going to work. And yeah. he asked me, to come back later that day to speak to his wife um, who handled all of the hiring. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I obviously arrived for this interview. I definitely don't think I knew that it really was an interview at the time. I didn't understand probably even the concept of interviews and yep. wasn't prepared. I'm sure I was dressed inappropriately or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but somehow I managed to get the job. So um, I started immediately working full time for them. Wow. And um, yeah, I was really lucky because they are really wonderful people, the owners. We're still good friends even now. 
and um, they obviously saw something in me that thought I would do well in the industry because they actually sponsored me to pay for me to do a hospitality and bar management diploma. Wow. Um, which I did, yeah, really amazing. And yeah. I did that while I was working. So um, a tutor would come there and, and teach me and give me homework and assignments. Cool. And yeah, so I really got the best of both worlds. Um, working, obviously getting the hands-on experience, but then also getting the qualification at the end. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up being there for six years. So wow. that's where I started. Um, and currently I'm the owner of... And my company Wild Dreams Hospitality, um, which does recruitment and different consulting work. And I'm also based at a five-star lodge, which is in a reserve called the Timbavati, which is part of Greater Kruger. And um, so I'm one of the management team here at the lodge. Wow. What's it like, um, what's it like living on a reserve? <laughs> is it fun? Oh, it's the absolute best. Um, yeah, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, like last weekend, um, for example, we just popped out on a short game drive. Obviously, we don't have guests at the moment, so this yeah. isn't necessarily a normal thing. But, um, yeah, we saw two leopards and a herd of elephants. And, um, yeah, we're extremely lucky just to have the nature around us all the time. And this morning we had a, a morning meeting, and during the meeting we had a massive herd of elephants at our waterhole. Um, so yeah, you just have to remember not to take it for granted. I think that can happen when you are surrounded by nature and wildlife all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast wishes they seen elephants live outside of a zoo. So um, that's a pretty, pretty yeah, cool and thing. You can't, yeah, you can't have a better place to be in lockdown, that's for sure. To be. Yes. Just, yeah. just with the animals only. So it's been great. Yeah, you certainly don't feel alone, I'd imagine. Um, yeah. What do, what have you seen happen to the hospitality industry in in South Africa since you know since lockdown? I know that obviously you're part of this fantastic five star five star lodge and reserve. Um, I know we we're just saying just before the podcast that obviously you know you guys haven't had guests in a couple of months. Like, what what's happened to the greater South African hospitality uh, industry since lockdown? Yeah, so it's been absolutely devastating for the industry. Um, we have been going through the kind of levels of lockdown, obviously starting with level one and all industries were closed except for basically the doctors and supermarkets. And mm. um, we actually weren't allowed to leave our houses at all during lockdown level one, only to go to the supermarket or to the doctor. And right. um, you weren't even allowed to go out to exercise. Um, even wow. just for a walk or anything. So obviously for me here in the bush, that wasn't the worst thing in the world, but people who are living in small flats and um, mm. yeah, certain areas that yeah, have very limited resources, it's, it was really difficult. And mm. um, and then we came through to level two, nothing really changed and the industries didn't open up. And then um, the first part of level three, which is what we are still in currently, Mm -hmm. They allowed the hospitality industry, the restaurants, to do takeaways. Right. Um, so that was obviously great. And we thought, okay, we, we're kind of getting moving with this. And then throughout the second half of this level three, the restaurants are now allowed to open. Um, however, we are on a alcohol ban here. So <laughs> this is the second time they've banned us from buying alcohol um, since uh, COVID happened. Yeah. 
So obviously the restaurants can't serve any alcohol, which is a way that they make their money. Um, And obviously people are, they don't really want to go out for dinner if they can't have like a glass of wine or a beer Mm. or or anything like that. So um, yeah, that's quite, (laughs) quite a problem. Not just for the for restaurants, but just people in general. A lot of people are not happy with that ban. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the lodge and hotel sector, which obviously, as I said, I'm in myself, um, has really just had such a negative impact because we still are not allowed to open. We can only open for business travellers. So no leisure travel is allowed. Um, and some of the hotels or guest lodges which are in cities which are geared up for business travel anyway and that was what they Mm. always were offering Mm. and maybe it's not too bad because they are still getting in bookings um but for like where i am in the lodges in our reserve we are geared up for international tourists um you know it's a safari holiday experience so Mm -hmm. it's not really the typical thing that local people would do um, and obviously our rates, um, just to cover costs, we're 65 and obviously our, our rates, you know, are quite high and they do reflect an international budget. Sure. Um, so yeah, a lot of places are, are trying to get in business travelers, but it's not that easy. Um, and then through my company, because recruitment is one of the things that I obviously do, yeah. Um, I'm just obviously seeing so many CVs coming through of people that have lost their jobs. Um, yeah. A lot of people have been laid off, so they they haven't lost their job, but hopefully, you know, they will come back to it. But sure. um, a lot of the companies have said, you know, it might be next year. We just don't know. Um, so it's obviously really difficult because we're only in July now. And um yeah, the, the government funding from the government hasn't been that easy. There's been a lot of hiccups with the actual um, system. Mm-hmm. So hopefully these will be um, rectified. But, um, but yeah, it's, and at this stage, we just don't know when anything's going to actually open. And there was a very big um, protest uh, last week for the tourism industry. So around mm. the whole country, everyone was protesting and asking the government to open up the industry. Um, I think everyone understands that international travel is not going to be opened quite yet, yeah. but at least just to get local food. people in, yeah, mm. just to come on holiday. Um, a lot of South Africans have never experienced a lodge like ours, you know, so it's actually a nice opportunity for them. Sure. Um, so yeah, I guess we just are going to wait and see now. We It's kind of out of our hands. Mm. Couple couple of things from what you just said um, that really interest me. Had have the government did the government give a reasoning why they didn't want to sell out why they didn't want hospitality venues to sell booze that doesn't make any sense yeah so cigarettes are also banned i didn't mention that but cigarettes have been banned like also for ages um so basically their their reason is um for the alcohol because they they banned alcohol first and then they opened it up again and then our president said that um, too many people were getting drunk and ending up in hospital and okay. taking the hospital beds, which obviously we've got a lot of cases of COVID now. So they're trying to limit people coming to the hospital, which 
you know, from, from other reasons, like yes. you've gone drunk and fallen over or whatever mm. the case is. Mm. Um, so that's their reasoning on alcohol. Um, with cigarettes, they say that um, if you smoke, then you're more likely to have a problem with COVID um, if you do get it, you know, as they say, that smokers sure. are more yeah. likely to have complications. Mm. So that's been their reasoning on that. Um, so, yeah, obviously majority of people are not happy with it but again you know what can you do <laughs> is that does that mean you cannot buy a cigarette at all in south africa from anywhere at all i'm sure you can um yeah. obviously black market cigarettes i yes. mean literally yeah. like that's what we're talking now mm. um but yeah technically you can't and there's been a lot of um Police have stopped people and checked vehicles for alcohol and things like that. Um, I mean, obviously, technically, I could still have alcohol in my home that I'm drinking, and that's obviously fine. But I yeah. can't be seen to be kind of traveling around with alcohol in my car because then they're going to assume that, you're selling um, that I've just bought it from somewhere or that I'm selling it myself. Yeah. Wow. Um, what about what about the government assistance to like? people who have been stood down and laid off, has there been much government assistance there for people who have got into those issues? Um, so basically we have something called the Unemployment Fund, um, which obviously as employees we pay into every single month with our salaries. Mm -hmm. And the government set aside um, a lot of money for three months um, when COVID happened. So basically it was for April, May and June. Um, and this was this came from the unemployment fund, but it was just a system that was meant to be a little bit easier, obviously, with them knowing there was going to be mass people applying for this. Mm -hmm. And it's worked out on the percentage of your salary. Um, so depending, you know, on how much you earn. So unfortunately, that has not worked very well. And a lot of people have not received any money yet. Um, for example, our company, um, Lodge, we have received money for April and some staff for May, some staff not. And um, so that means some of um, our staff have only received April money. Wow. Um, and then they've just extended it for like another month and a half um, until the 15th of August. Um, and then after that, we will go the route of the unemployment fund. Um, if there's any money left, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, well. yeah, that's always a concern, but it's just, there's been a lot of glitches with the system. And um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people in South Africa who literally live paycheck to paycheck and yeah. often they're supporting their entire family. And often you'll only find that there's one person working. And so, you know, for me, I know how fortunate I am. And although I'm not earning a salary, um, you know, at, at least, I've, I've got a house here and I'm currently personally working for food and accommodation um, at the lodge where I am based. So at least, you know, I have that, which is obviously the most important thing. Uh, so yeah, it's really devastating and I hope the government can try and um, sort it out really. <sighs> Sorry to hear that. I don't know what to say from that. Um, you're right. You're, you are, you are fortunate to have, um, food and accommodation, but I mean, that's a, that's a hard way to be in, but I, um, but I know you'll get through it. I know you'll get through it for sure. Um, do you want to talk about um, what, what I was really impressed with when, um, you know, we, we reached out to each other a couple of weeks ago was the fact that um, you are doing vegan consultancy, which um, 
I thought was super interesting um, and super exciting because obviously the the vegan vegetarian movement has moved in leaps and bounds in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and I think I probably shared with you that during this time of COVID, my thinking was that people might retract from those values and, um, and go back to maybe what they, what they thought in their childhood, which was maybe, you know, eating, eating, eating meat products. Right. So what, what made you want to do a vegan consulting brand and, and, um, yeah, and start that up because it's such a cool thing. Yeah, so um, I personally went vegan myself about three years ago and um, I've always wanted to not necessarily work um, fully, you know, for a vegan company or anything like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to completely change your life. But um, when I found a course, um, it's actually a company that's based in America and she offers this vegan hospitality training. So mm-hmm. I decided just to go for it. And um, so now I'm officially a certified vegan consultant. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just really wanted to, you know, I think any vegan knows that the hospitality industry is not yet geared up for the amount of people. Um, you know, and the options are often there's just not enough or the staff are not really trained. Um, I mean, I can tell you numerous stories of experiences that I've had as a vegan customer where, um, yeah, it's just, (laughs) it's not been great. Um, And you would almost just think, oh, I just want to just eat at home only, you know, where you know everything is actually going to be vegan. Mm. Um, But obviously we don't want that. We want vegans to be able to experience um, going out and staying at places just as much as, anyone else and with the movement growing so rapidly like you say and um, I truly believe that if the hospitality industry doesn't kind of step up and start including vegan options and really training themselves into what it means then I think you know they may get left behind and their competitors that do go ahead with this um, yeah basically will get the, the customers in. Yeah I totally agree um, it's definitely a you know, it's a really important part of the market and it's largely been, you know, underserved and not cared about. So I really, I think you're doing a really good, really good thing in bringing it to the forefront. Like, are you, are you mainly working, wanting to work with venues who are just vegan concepts or brands that want to, you know, really rethink about their vegan vegetarian offerings? Yeah, I mean, basically any hospitality establishment. Um, it could be someone that already has vegan options, but they're just not sure, um, you know, if it is what people want, or maybe they don't, they aren't selling those vegan options, um, mm-hmm. or it could be someone that has absolutely no options currently, and they're wanting to include them because they are getting requests um, for these. So yeah, and I can do the work um, remotely or I can do it on site, um, but it includes like a whole range of different um, aspects and it starts with a menu evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I actually go away and create recipes and menus for the establishment. Um, sometimes people want to have a fully vegan menu that's separate to their menu. Sometimes they just want to include some options on their existing menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it's also a lot to do with training. So I will do like a supermarket tour with the chef and the F&B manager and oh, wow. just explain to them how to read labels. Um, because obviously, you know, a lot of items, they clearly say vegan on them, but a lot don't. Sometimes you have something which is accidentally vegan and 
Other times you might have a product which um, you know, looks vegan, but there's an E number in there, which isn't, you know, so go into detail about that kind of thing. And obviously do staff training for the chef with um, what I've created. Um, that tends to be more of like a collaboration and then do staff training for the waiters and the hosts, the F&B managers, so that everyone really understands um, what the vegan customer wants. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, and then just um, vegan wine as well. Not wine is vegan, so I'll do a yeah, vegan wine list for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can also do wine and food pairings or wine tasting templates. So, yeah, it can get into a lot of detail. Um, also, if it's a hotel or a lodge and they have a spa and obviously in their rooms, if they want vegan products to use as like their amenities or as their um, what they use for treatments, then I can mm-hmm. assist with that. And then once the place is sort of vegan friendly, then I will help with their marketing because obviously then they want to get vegan customers or guests in. So I assist with that, whether it's a, it might be a menu launch for a restaurant or it could just be social media marketing to the right places. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's quite a, you know, a tight knit community. So when we find something that is really good, then we tend to like tell everyone. um, So yeah, hopefully a lot of places will do this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do do are there any sort of when you've walked around with chefs and F and B managers and you know done grocery shopping with them, um, and you've talked about are there any kind of products that people would naturally think are vegan that might not be? There might be a swap out that is a bit that is a bit tricky that people need to know about. Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, obviously different, some places will be using more like whole foods um, and then a lot of places will be using more packaged uh, yeah. foods. And, you know, in the hospitality industry, as you know, convenience is mm. also quite important. So I think just with the like processed, I guess, packaged goods, um, yeah, there's quite quite a lot of things that people just aren't aware of. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of products which, some are vegan and some aren't. Just for example, like crisps, or we call them chips here, like just yeah. the bags. Yep. Um, you know, so many of them have milk powder in um, and so many of them don't. Yeah, so, yeah. for example, yeah, just like like here, and we do game drive snacks. So um, we do serve a lot of things like nuts and crisps and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So people just, you know, once they've checked one bag and they see, oh, this is vegan, great, they just kind of assume that, they'll all be vegan, yeah. um, which is unfortunately not the case. And I'd say, yeah, milk powder is one of the things that is in so many products. Um, yeah, you literally can't understand why most of the time, why it's in there. But um, yeah, hopefully um, even the sort of product companies will see um, how many people are buying vegan options. And I know a lot of the big brands now are moving towards that. Um, as well so hopefully we'll just start more and more vegan products out there what do you um what do you think veganism and vegetarianism has had such an explosion in the last sort of 10 to 15 years as i was saying before like i know there's there's very varied reasons i've um i had a good chat with um with michael from fable foods which is a um a, a, a meat fake meat um provider made our shiitake mushrooms uh, a couple of months ago, which was a great chat. And we talked about, you know, why people make different decisions about, you know, um, becoming vegan. Like 
what do you think a couple of the reasons why it has become so much more prominent the last 10 or 15 years, Hayley? Um, yeah, I think one of the main reasons is just um, social media. Obviously, um, we've had it for a while, but more and more people on social media and, um, you know, we're obviously seeing footage that we've never seen before, yeah. for example, in, in farms or in slaughterhouses. A lot of this has been undercover footage because it's not mm. something typically that people obviously would like you to film. You don't tend to see that many slaughterhouse um, owners say, come on in and, you know, film yeah. this and, and yeah. do whatever you want with the footage. So, yeah, I'd say that's probably one of the, the main reasons. Um, but I think, you know, also just as we learn more and more about veganism um, with regards to the planet and our health as well, um, just there's more and more scientific evidence out there. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've noticed just myself the amount of people that have been contacting me personally, just friends or acquaintances. Yeah. Um, and they all have different reasons, you know, um, whether they, they might have seen something through myself or someone else has said something to them. And, and yeah, they obviously see the positive impact it has on other people's lives. So I'm just getting constantly people ask me, oh, I want to go vegan or I want to, I'm vegetarian, I want to go vegan or mm. yeah, even want to incorporate a couple of vegan meals um, a week uh, in, in my diet. So yeah, it's, it's definitely growing very quickly. What, um, what changes did you, if I can ask you, what changes did you sort of notice in yourself three years ago when you decided to change the way you eat? Did you notice you felt, you know, better in yourself or anything like that? Yeah. The, the, it's kind of a weird feeling. Um, you just, it, it's like you feel lighter. And I've, mm. I've heard other vegans explain this to me. And I mean, when I say light, you do absolutely lose some weight because I mean, I ate cheese every single day, you know, so <laughs> of course you're going to lose weight when yes. you, you drop those those products out of your, your diet. Um, but it's not just the lightness you feel of, of like weight and things like that. It's actually, it's almost like you've had something something sort of weighing you down, like, like your conscience, I suppose. Um, mm, and you just feel like, you know, you finally kind of made this decision and um, yeah, you just feel a bit at peace. I mean, that's how I felt. I was vegetarian before I was vegan, um, but I never had that feeling when I was vegetarian. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why just the shift to veganism really, um, yeah, just made me very happy. That's good. It's good to hear. Uh, my brother is, um, my brother has been vegan for at least two to three years now. Um, and I gave him a lot of stick for it when he, when he first um, became vegan. And I think that was my lack of knowledge, which was quite funny considering I'm in the food industry. And I think the more and more uh, I've learned about it, um, the more acceptance that I've got from it. I've always believed in a ethical treatment of animals and, and, you know, the highest, highest standards there, but the veganism culture I've never quite understood until I've actually made sure that I've really talked to people about why they've made those decisions for themselves. And I can just understand it um, so much more. So I think it's a, a really important thing to be talking about. Yeah, I mean, also for, for myself, I actually rehabilitate um, wild animals here at home. Wow. Um, 
and uh, most mostly it's been small things like small mammals, squirrels, birds as well. Um, but about three years ago, I started raising a bushbuck, like a type of antelope, a bit like oh, a deer. Okay. Yep. Um, and I raised her from 10 days old. And so she was very tiny. She still had her umbilical cord <laughs> attached to her. Um, and yeah, she's now like three and a half. She is completely wild and free. She has a daughter. Um, I think she's pregnant again. <laughs> so I just had this um, obviously very strong bond and connection with her. Um, so I think also once I went vegan, that just also made me happy. That connection I have with her was just even stronger. Mm. Um, last question to you, Hayley. Um, I've been asking everyone on the podcast lately, like, what are you what are you looking forward to coming out of COVID and coming out of lockdown? What's the biggest thing that you're really looking forward to? Um, well, apart from more people going vegan and there being more <laughs> vegan options out there. Absolutely. Um, I guess for me, it's kind of twofold. Um, the first thing being that I think, especially here in South Africa, where we weren't even allowed to leave our houses for so long, um, a lot of people just weren't going out and, and buying things that they didn't need. Um, you know, we spend so much money on, on pointless stuff. So mm. I really hope that people will kind of um, use this as education to know that um, they don't need to buy a lot of things and consumerism in general um, will decrease just so mm -hmm. that we can live in a bit more of a sustainable way because obviously currently we don't at all. Yeah, of um, course. And then I think like the second thing is just really for people to appreciate um, what we have more and the things that we do like the simple things like going out for a meal is something that we have always taken for granted or spending mm -hmm. time with friends and family um, so yeah hopefully people will just appreciate you more and do more for each other and make the time and effort to um, actually spend quality time together yeah I totally agree uh, with all those points um, Hayley thanks so much for joining me um, how can, how can people find out about um, the great work that you're doing with Wild Dreams? Yeah, so I have a website, which is uh, wilddreams.co.za. And then, yeah, you can also just email me, which is Haley, it's H-A-Y-L-E-Y, at wilddreams.co.za. And yeah, that, that's probably the best way. I do have social media accounts as well, a Facebook page and an Instagram, so you can also send me a message. Beautiful. I'll make sure I'll link that up in the bio of this podcast, as always. Hayley Thanks, Thanks, so Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Open Pantry Podcast. I really, really appreciate you listening and spending some time with me again. As always, if you could subscribe, if you could leave a review, I will be eternally grateful. So thank you so much. It's really, really simple to do no matter what app you're actually using to listen to this podcast. Always, you can uh, leave me a little voice note as well. You'll see that in the show notes of this podcast. And lastly, thank you again to our new sponsor, Mercury Neuro, the leaders in coffee machine making all the way here in Melbourne. Uh, Jordan and team are doing a fantastic job. So make sure you check out all their kit at mercuryneuro.com.au. Until next time, stay safe. Thank you.